live from the grungy operating room. This is Austin Danger Podcast, the only randomly curated Austin Powers podcast on the internet now and forever. I'm Kevin. As always, I'm joined by super producer extraordinaire and birthday girl Mackenzie Wolfs. Ah, <gasps> uh, yes. I <laughs> forgot it's much my birthday. Happy birthday, man. That's right. This past Thursday, as people are listening, you turn the ripe old age of redacted. <laughs> 29. I'm not I'm not ashamed of it. Sure. I found another gray hair today. So that's great. <laughs> I don't have a gray hair Happy yet, birthday. but Rachel has Rachel has this gray streak, and I think it's so hot. I love it. Um, thank you. It's also Valentine's Day as we're recording this. So like love is in the air. Happy Valentine's Day, Kev. Yeah, thanks. Happy Valentine's Day. Our, <laughs> you know, our first date was the 18th. So mm-hmm. we celebrate. I thought you, you know, said meant go- hour, like you and I, and I was like, oh no. yeah, sure. <laughs> I just kind of said okay. I just agreed. That's I was funny. like, yep. So we we celebrate our anniversary kind of more than Valentine's Day, but my girlfriend is also not that into the days thing, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it fits. We saw six. <gasps> Amazing. I admit I didn't mean to, but I've kind of dragged my feet on getting tickets. She had asked to go like months ago, and it had been you know it was the next one, it's the next one, it's the next one. Um, and even sitting in the Lena Horn theater on Broadway, I was on like, Broadway. Oh, Broadway. <laughs> I was like, you know, maybe I won't. And then the lights came down. The curtain got pulled back. What an idiot I was. What a fool. What a fool I was. I've never seen it, but I've heard the songs and like, man, they're so fun. Listen, I don't work in theater accounting, but if I worked in theater accounting, by the way, like I want to put one of these in every theater in the country all the time. Literally, literally. Now listen, the women are like top tier performers. For those of you who don't know, it's a musical about uh, the wives of Henry VIII who all get together and they try to decide who had it worse. Um, And if you're like a person with a brain in 2024, maybe you understand how that seems like a faulty premise, right? Why are they trying to compare themselves and their marriage to a man? It's kind of the point of the show. The show is smarter than you may assume. (laughs) And you're bearing the lead that it's presented in the style of this like uh, diva girl group. Like all the music is like oh, pop yeah. diva. Like think like Spice Girls, but if the Spice Girls were like Beyonce and Tina Turner and like Pink, like and Lady Gaga, like it was like it's like pop superstars. There's a pastiche, okay, that that was written years ago. One of the songs is a pastiche, basically, of what Olivia Rodrigo would come to write after this song was written. It's a pastiche about the future. <laughs> uh, granted, there are, there were already pop singers doing that stuff. I'm talking about the Amberlynn "Sorry Not Sorry" song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and uh, obviously, there are artists who were doing that kind of thing already. But the way that like Olivia Rodrigo's whole deal has become this song in that tone, mm. wow. like what a what an amazing show! Um, it tours a lot. It's on cruise ships. It's in multiple countries. It, frankly, again, if I were in theater accounting, I would say seems like a relatively cheap thing to put together for maximum profit. And it's an amazing show with a great message and beautiful songs and a great showcase for talented young performers. Uh, It's what, what, again, uh, (laughs) not a theater accountant, but if I were, I would call it a win, 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 win for everyone. Um, I loved that show. I loved it. Every, every quadrant of my heart loved it. Um, I love that we like flew 
into what you've been watching kind of <laughs> we just like no 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 buddy it. it's we're talking valentine's day and birthday stuff okay. we got news to you're cover right, right. before we get there it's a long we got a long <laughs> night ahead well um, I, yeah it is i i'm seeing the taste of things tomorrow speaking of my birthday yeah that is my i know birthday i was just gonna bring it up to myself as i'm seeing the taste of things in 24 hours to the time we are recording this podcast i will be like 40 minutes into the taste of things it is the latest in a much loved Mackenzie canon of movies about eating and being fed. Yes. Um, grand celebrations of food and uh, why we do it. You're going to, I hate to say it. I don't mean to set expectations for you. No, you will I know. Love this film. Love it. You <laughs> I will know, love gonna, this film. I know. The first. Like, f- yes. Sean Fennessy on Big Picture said that it's like the opening is pretty much just like 35 minutes of uninterrupted cooking. And I'm like, amazing. Oh, good. Okay. He did spoil it. Yes. He did I say that, thought yeah. I was going to lose my mind. I was looking at my watch. I, I tried not to do this, but like the you whole time. How I was long like, it had been going? Surely it can't keep going. Surely we have to see the feast. <sighs> and we just never I'm get like there. vibrating. So I'm vibrating out of my seat. I'm going to just like start. I'm going to go through my ceiling right now. I'm so excited. It's one of the year's best films. I'm really excited and I'm excited to talk to you about it. Like it's what I love about the, doing the show with you is that we get to talk about this um, next week. Very exciting. So excited. So excited. Can I tell you a quick story? Always. I hate to do this. I had a really bad commute, a really terrible commute. The six train downtown uh, doesn't work sometimes. Some mornings you come in there and it's, it's not running. Okay, it's not this is our decompression time. We're here to we're here to vibe. This is our decompression. So, time. and this is related to movies. So, got it. I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm standing there on the platform. I've been standing on there for uh, ten minutes, ten human minutes, and I'm about to lose my mind. When what mm-hmm. do I hear over the subway PA? I'm not gonna do the voice because mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a little more sensitive. <laughs> but wouldn't it be funny if I tried to do a Jamaican accent? Oh God! To try to sing Three Little Birds as the Bob Marley movie radio ad played in the six train corridor. Wow! I waited the next half hour for a train that ultimately never came, and they played it three more times. <laughs> there yes. is no escape. I don't know if from, I can stomach what, subway ads love. for mediocre movies. The advertising for that movie has been has been heavy, and then they're dumping it in February. It's like, do you want Kingsley Benadir to get an Oscar or not? What's going on here? I think they wanted that, and then saw the movie, and then hoped they can get something off the like, the vibe. I yeah, don't know. it's I mean, it's it weird, doesn't seem exciting to me. Framing it as a Valentine's release, it's very strange to me. I think they put it together on paper and then saw the movie and then was like, oh, we're Paramount. How <laughs> how couldn't we have messed this up? <laughs> anyway, I'm not seeing it. You can't trick me, Paramount, not for the hundredth time. Weird that Subway ads, New York listeners, New York City listeners, are you getting, I know there's many of you out there, are you getting these ads? Are you Please getting them? Let me know. AustinAjorPodcast at gmail.com or ping me. You know me personally and I know you. I don't know. Uh, speaking of advertising getting in the way of things, mm. there were a couple of new trailers and announcements that I would like to talk mm. about for no reason in particular. Okay. Yes. yes, yes I'm yes, not yes. putting them on the radars of our listeners for any reason. Hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about the thing you have some interest in or the things you have no interest in first 
Uh, let's do some interest for. I'll take some interest for five hundred, please. Uh, that's the sound Alphaba makes at the end of <laughs> Act One of the musical Wicked. Yes. And the trail, the teaser, what was called the first look of Wicked, not Wicked Part One, but Wicked. Yeah. Uh, heard on the on some football thing the other night. I don't want to get too sports ball about it. I hate that kind of stuff. But but there was a show on the other night that a lot of people watched, and a lot of them did not like the look of this trailer. Kenzo, your thoughts? I am worried. Uh, I mm-hmm. I really loved Wicked in high school because I was a girl into theater <laughs> like that. Sure. It was the it was the musical when when like it came out what oh six Broadway season. Um, nah, dude, so this was an oh three oh four three oh three oh four. Yeah. This, this is the 21st you're, anniversary this year of Wicked. You're 100% correct. There was a documentary I used to be obsessed with in high school show called Business. Show Business, The Road to Broadway, which chronicles, um, I mean, honestly, uh, Wicked, Avenue Q, the Tony Award winner that year, uh, Carolina yep. Change, which is a show who has, that has since been, re, I think, redone and remounted in more successful ways than it was during the 03 season. And Taboo. Nonprofit revival. And Boom. Taboo, the Boy Taboo, George which, musical. Which is an underrated, awesome musical. I fucking love Taboo. Um, I heard they botched we, the Broadway version. Fuck. Yeah, no, they changed so much and it was bad. I was very into Taboo. Um, I was into the discourse about Taboo when I was obsessed with the soundtrack. Kevin and I are connecting I, I, on a third eye level right now. It's yeah, insane. this is insane. Can I sidebar? I was a yeah. boy in a theater. And so I've rebelled a lot against the theater mm-hmm. that quote unquote mm-hmm. girls, very gender coded, but For Long sure. Island in the early 2000s. Please bear with yeah. me. Um, Hairspray, Wicked, um, uh, plenty of shows that were for girls. And so I felt like I didn't, I I couldn't get there. Now, being a grown up is cool because you realize the shit doesn't matter. And of course, our our advanced thinking about gender have shown us really how much of a construct a lot of that stuff is. (laughs) Um. But I like you. I'm worried about Wicked. I, I've, I came to it late. Like I liked it fine as a bootleg. I've never seen it on stage. I have. It's incredible. But uh, we will be seeing. It's, it's this great. Summer. It's it's one of those shows that's been running for fucking ever because it's just one of those shows that is it is it, it was just such a perfect storm. I think of everything at that time, like this nostalgia for the Wizard of Oz combined with this really hot, edgy book. I read that book. I was in high school. That book is immensely dark and sexual compared to the stage I'm, production and i was reading I'm that 10 book pages in oh my god i was reading this book that book is crazy just know that you will know about alphabet's entire entire who's and what's it okay it's a whole it's a lot Yo, happening can we talk about how the clock dragon that hangs over the stage is like yes. a puppet stage that goes from town to town and like cancel culture somebody to death i did not i was not aware of this i was unaware that's of the this. opening of the book it's crazy. Oh, okay. I was like, Wicked that's been a long time. A, hey, listen, you have to fill five hours. You can't, you can't make, you can't make the actual lengths of the acts into full movies. They're doing two full movies. What are they going to do? Yeah. I, so again, I was a, the, all about to say, basically is I was really into it in high school. loved the music, saw it on stage multiple times when the Broadway tour came to Memphis and uh, loved Wicked a lot. Saw it in Nashville. I think the Broadway tour, I've, I've seen it multiple times. I was very into it. Um, this movie should have been made in 2009. That's my one yeah. worry is that like this movie, you know, I think that the the nail was already it, mostly in the coffin by about 2011 with that movie musical renaissance. But Cats slammed cement on top of that coffin. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it made sure that that movie musicals were not going to have a revival. And so releasing a movie musical period is a challenge. 
them not selling it as two parts confuses me and worries me. People are talking about the color grading. I, I yeah, it doesn't look very good, but like I'm not as bothered by that as I am by the performances because I do not find Ariana Grande to be an interesting actress, and this trailer didn't seem to prove that opinion wrong. And Cynthia Revo, who is incredible, is giving like nothing in this trailer. It's it's confusing and worrisome. I will say Devils, I mean, like I know what you're saying, but also like it is but only a minute of what I can assume is yeah. a two hour and 45 minute movie, which mm-hmm. the idea of stretching out Wicked, um, I I don't know, man. I don't think these movies should be very long at all. I, I, I see splitting it because how do you come back from the end of part one? I get it. I get it. But like, man, <laughs> The idea of act two being any longer is exhausting to me. As in my opinion, even, even as a boy who was like, whatever, I'll watch this girl's show bootleg, right? The, the, the secret of wicked is that once they have you in the seat for act two, act two kind of goes away until it's time for the two girls to come back and sing. Yeah. Act two is famously not as strong as act one. And so trying to make that its entire own film is, is worrisome. And you know, when people go see wicked, they see it all in one night. They go to the theater and they see the whole story and all of the songs <laughs> in one right. evening. So why do we have, why can't we do that with a film? Why can't we give the whole story in one night? Like, I don't understand why split it in two parts, especially since the second part, second act is famously, famously not as strong. Like, I, I don't understand. I, I mean... I'm sure their philosophy is also like once we have the ticket sold and 15 minutes have passed in the film, they can't get a refund. I don't want to be that cynical about it. I don't think so. But either way, I mean, uh, uh, man, I would love to think more about Wicked. I'm finding myself like unironically really into Wicked. Like I'm jazzed about getting tickets and going to see it. Yeah. Well, we're both going to see it, obviously. I'm, listen, there's no reason why we would be discussing this. Actually, Wicked's the one where it's uh, pretty relevant to our interests anyway, and we would have talked about it. But there's no other reason, I promise. Mm -mm. Uh, No other reason why it should be on your radar, listeners. Boy, great year to revisit The Wizard of Oz from 1939. (laughs) Um, The other thing I wanted to... Oh, um, before we get off Wicked, I want to make a declaration on the show. I declared it to you privately already. Yes, you Uh, did. If Wicked is good, I will perform, I will pre-record, and you will be able to hear me performing Defying Gravity unironically. Um, Does include some Glinda stuff. Let's let the movie be good before we start to tackle those issues. Let's get to the movie being good before we be think Glenda. about I logistics. Be okay, great, because that's what I was basically saying. Yeah, I'll be Glenda. I'm I'm an alto, but I'll sing Glenda. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of push on Glinda in defying. There's some like, you know, <laughs> you can you can you can get in that range. It's a lot of Elfie. I, I hope know. you're happy sure now. I, oh yeah, I hope you're happy too. I hope you're happy. How you met him? Oh yeah, that, god, that, I haven't thought about waking him so in long. The end. That's a little tricky. That N is a little tricky. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, what it's show is so this? so good, though. Fuck, that song rocks. That song rocks. Okay. Anyway, um, Wicked. Right. What's next, uh, Greg? I want to talk about Fantastic Four for no reason in particular. Oh, yes. um, I know y'all know I love them. I'm very nervous about the movie. I think Pedro's boring. Uh, absolutely no reason why I would want to put that on your radar. That's boring. I don't know. Whatever. That's like, a boiling take. That's a boiling hot Is that take. a boiling take that, like, 
the MCU so, yeah. made its money on casting people you wouldn't expect or people you don't know who you're being introduced to for the first time. People like Robert Downey Jr., who frankly, like, even though he had already been on the rise from his character actor performances, had been mostly discarded and washed up, and he would not have returned. Doolittle doesn't happen, okay? <laughs> In 2019, 20th Century Fox doesn't take a bet on Doolittle without Iron Man, right? No, I, mean, I think the boiling hot take is what you said about Pedro. No, we'll get there, we'll get there. But, like, they find these people who you don't know or you don't expect, and they surprise you, right? Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a great example of an actress who's known for one thing, and they're having her try something else, and maybe that'll surprise you. And they they think it will, and I'm smart, you know, uh, listen, we've been through enough of these to know that unlikely cat, look, people were mad about Michael Keaton and Batman and Heath Ledger as Joker, too, right? Look how that turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I find Disney's casting to be generally uninspired these days. I find they generally like to cast safe people who are their employees. So when you tell me that the Mandalorian is going to be this major pillar character in Reed Richards, yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored. Cause I, I know him already from the other Disney thing. Like I, I'm so bored. Like you, like you, you are Listen, they are in a rough spot. I don't care how much you need Marvel content emotionally, listeners, and that's okay if you do. I think that's great. But for me, it's over. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm optimistic. I like Shackman. Shackman did a bunch of uh, WandaVision and some other projects that I I liked enough to have faith in the project. But um, Fantastic Four are among my favorite characters. And they're, I think, the last characters that I would want to see in a MCU movie. So they better be good. <laughs> yeah. but, but Pedro is not uh, an awesome start. In my opinion, it feels safe. And I think Shackman, who's another Disney employee who did WandaVision for like them it... is safe. Uh, it, it's like, no, it's a fan cast from the Broadway world message board. When Pedro, like him, like I've seen all of the people who were cast. I've seen them all in fan casts before for yeah. the exact roles they were. I'm I mean, like, that's okay. Here? Like, listen, uh, cousin from the bear as fucking the thing cousin. is going to be incredible. That's going to be great. Yeah, I love him. Even if the movie's crap, he's going to be fantastic. He's a Disney employee. He was in Andor, and he's in a bunch of other stuff. And the Bear is of FX production, and the Bear is, is Hulu. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he's a Disney employee too, right? But at least that's an interesting casting you didn't expect. <laughs> Pedro Pascal yeah. as a as a genre lead in 2024 is a, a Big Mac. And it'll be exactly mm-hmm. what you think it is. And that's going to be okay. And he'll, you know, hopefully Pedro will also continue to do more challenging indie stuff. He worked with Amal Devar last year. Like maybe he'll keep stuff like that going. Um, and I love the guy. I think he's a terrific actor. But I think from a Marvel standpoint, like, not who not who they needed not not who i needed <laughs> mm. um and then that'll be it if it's bad that'll be it and i'll be free i'll be free of this curse <laughs> so just some things to think about for no reason in particular no reason in particular <laughs> kenzo you want to give us quickly uh, a bit a uh, sample of what you've been watching mm. well i got to talk about this because i know you were a big fan of 
this film. I finally, because it's on Hulu, speaking of Hulu and convenience. Yeah, yes, uh, yes, yes. Or it's not on Hulu, it's on Showtime, which I have through Hulu. I always just call it Hulu. I feel like a grandma because I don't call it Showtime. But I watched You Hurt My Feelings, a film that you, a little gem that you really enjoyed last year and you told me to check out. And then I just haven't got around to it. I haven't made priority for it. But since it was convenient, I popped it on because it was a tight little 90, 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, I had never seen a Nicole Hofsner film before, but I kind of figured I knew the vibe kind of from the trailer, right? Like talkative adults being neurotic kind of vibe. Um, and yeah, I really dug this. I thought it was really, really fun. It was really breezy. It was really easy to watch. I it got a lot of laughs out of me. Uh, I thought it was really, really funny. I, I, I put it at three, my version of three and a half, right? Which is three and a, and a big fat heart. Cause I, it was just shy of four stars for me. There was just something I couldn't quite convince me. It was like great to me. I get that. But I think maybe, maybe the son, I just, I, his character didn't quite click for me. There, there was just something. It was like, I was just barely touching greatness, but I didn't quite touch it. But like, I still had an awesome time watching. I laughed a bunch and it was just like, it was, it was like smart, but didn't take up too much brain power. It, yeah. It was just so easy and fun and entertaining. And so I immediately was like, well, let me check out Enough Said, which is another film that Nicole Hofner directed with the great, uh, the great late James Gandolfini and Julie Louis-Dreyfus again. Um, a lot of again, Julie Louis-Dreyfus love this week. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Keener in this. Tony Collette it, with her regular Australian accent in this movie. Oh, my God. Um, I loved it, too. It was, again, I kind of like three and a half. I was like, this is really good, really well written. There were certain parts of the story that didn't quite click for me. And some of the writing was a little, little outdated. Um, but like, it, I, I just was like, wow, I, I dig this so much. And I was telling uh, Rachel, I was like, you know, so many people may see this and be like, oh, that's not a five bang. That's not all timer, McKinsey. Why do you want more of these? But I'm sitting here thinking like, we need 20 of these a year. We need like more of these like mature comedies made for adults, like movies made for grownups where it's just adults talking to each other and dealing with real shit, being funny and neurotic. And like, like, I don't know. It just felt like a comedy that just felt like my age. Like I felt like I wasn't being belittled while I was watching. If that makes, I don't know. It, oh, it felt hell like, yeah. Quote unquote a movie for grownups, which I know people say is, it feels more rare nowadays. And I'm like, God, we need more of these. They're like great, like three and a half heart comedies for adults. Yeah. Know. These people are making overblown Amazon series that are like twice as long as they should be really sad situation with them. In my opinion, I think some of mm -hmm. the people who like 30 years ago could have been some of our greatest auteurs one way or another um, have been kind of turned into factories uh, to produce uh, these shows that I've never seen, but could be great, but I'll never watch them because they are eight hour long movies that I can't, I can't sit through. Um, Hall mm -hmm. center though. I think she's a machine who makes these like the Gemma Gracewood three and a half star. Perfect movie. Yeah. Which is and they're I all think, 90 minutes. Yes. All of them 90 fucking minutes, which is perfect. You hurt my feelings is also the thing. Like her stuff kind of reminds me of like what I look for in a downtown play about like contemporary adults. Like something yes, I'd expect to yes. see if I were a theater accountant off Broadway at my job or at any yeah. litany of other, like Atlantic Theater Company was fucking great at these 10 years ago. They would just knock them out like three a season. I think I 
act. So I remember, right? Like you'd go to the vineyard yeah, and you'd see exactly yes. this on stage. Like, yes, this is exactly agree. what I want. And that filled me with such a warmth um, that really did propel it for me. <laughs> like this intangible, like, ooh, boy. And I used to feel this way about movies. Now I feel like ridiculous about them. But like, oh, aren't you an adult? I a thousand percent agree. I think that's the best description Which is of, not, of the vibe of this movie. <laughs> Which is maybe not what adults feel or should feel. I'm 31, right? So I would hope I feel that way. But uh, yeah, I yeah, I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad you dug it. And I need to watch enough said and more of her stuff. I watched her debut, which was nice, but was <laughs> really gonna... like a lot of other mid 90s indie debuts. I'll tell you. Yeah, I'm going to check out the rest of her stuff because just it's so easy and fun to watch. But um, yeah, you're going to love Gandolfini and Enough Said. It's an incredible performance. He's amazing so. in it. But Kev, uh, did you check out anything other than the trailers you want to check out? Check oh out, God. talk about. What, talk about. Why? We're not even at the movie. I'm uh, already losing my mind. Let's discuss the Deadpool. Uh, no. Deadpool. <laughs> I will see. I will be seated for Deadpool. I haven't watched it. It's, it's. Uh, so, mm-hmm. speaking of franchises, though. Uh, I did go over the weekend. We saw Dune part one again at the Lincoln square IMAX. One of the giant, like one of the largest IMAXs in the world. One of my favorite places, the place where we saw Argyle, which like, yes, like, listen, I overrated Argyle, but, uh, I would love to do an internet, a national census of people who bought tickets to Madam web and made fun of people who like Argyle. Cause the two cannot coexist. Anyway, turn the page. <laughs> we saw Dune, and in an impulsive act, I bought the popcorn bucket. Oh my god! Is so, it near you? One moment. <gasps> Bring it to me. I need to see this shit with my eyeballs. Listeners, I'm filled with fear. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Kev to approach. I'm gonna see the whole of of the worm. The whole. I hear Kev laughing across the room. <laughs> you getting that wormhole, Kev? <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting on bated breath to see this fucking wormhole. You gonna stick your hand in it? This is gonna be the longest episode of Austin Pod ever. All right. Um, <laughs> this is gonna so, be the greatest episode of Austin Pod ever. So the good news is you get a really nice looking popcorn to okay. do in part two. I think two. I'm gonna throw up as soon as I see this. The inside oh, is that's gold. The bad news that's is it's beautiful. Inside. It's like copperish. It's not Ooh. showing right in the camera. The bad news is the <gasps> intention is that you oh, were God. to put this on top. Oh. Oh, I'm going to throw up. Listeners, oh uh, I'm so sorry. For the benefit oh, of listeners, I'm showing Kenzo a very close up of the sandworm. Oh, my God. And for so there's like, it's like a tin there's tub, a, very high okay. quality. And then the top is plastic. There's like a sand a base. And then coming out of that is a, a gray is the sandworm in detail. Like there's ridges here on the worm and then God. there's like the sides and God. then oh, it comes the in and there are these little there are rubber you're teeth putting your hand in it oh my god and then the idea is that I'm you were to stick out. your hand in it that is so like, nasty i am filled with fear watching you do this can you get your hand out so can you even, I, can you even do you so think you could grasp popcorn and actually remove it like genuinely the problem is my hand is 
is just too, I, this sounds so bad. My hands are too big to actually use it. So like we <laughs> bought this thing and I, I looked at it and I'm like, we're not going to use that. <laughs> I'm not using this. That's, that's gross. Do you think in like 20 years you can sell that for like a million dollars? That's exactly why I bought it. <laughs> and then the good news is Mackenzie we got to bask in the wonder of Denis Villeneuve's uh, Dune Part 1 one of the great films of the 21st century in my opinion very excited for Dune Part 2 um, we're a week away at this point as you're listening if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area I'm going to be at the Escape Hatch meetup for Dune Part 2 they're doing a screening uh, on February 29th at the Metreon in San Francisco and they're having like fun things around. I I was told I'll be doing a live version of my Kev's questions letter segment. So get excited for that. Hell yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be exciting. So if you're in the area, go check out Escape Hatch. They're our friends. Again, they were on for Avatar. H was on for Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So go check those out. We've been on Dune Pod and Escape Hatch mm-hmm. many times. So go check yes. those out and then come hang out with us and hang out with me in San Francisco. <laughs> One day we'll do a meetup. Yes. Who knows? Who knows? Well, speaking of who knowing. Whoop did news. What does it all mean, Basil? Who knows who have Austin news? Not me, no. I got nothing. <laughs> Why me worry? Why me worry? We don't even have Austin Danger <laughs> podcast news. I'm thinking, you know, okay, so I'm here's laughing. I want Austin Nation, I want some feedback on something. Uh, I've been thinking about taking Austin news and obviously doing Austin powers related news when it comes up, but taking that segment and allowing it to include other movies and things we're interested in or would want to talk about on the show movie related. Cause this is a movie show, but more stuff like what we talked about at the top of show fantastic four and wicked and things like that, that come up. So instead of making it just Austin news, we'll make it Austin danger podcast news. Um, would you like that? What do you think? I'm pitching it on air to Mackenzie right now, which is not yeah, good conduct, not? but let's talk about <laughs> it. Um, because we very, it. like the thing is like the bit is very funny that we don't have Austin news, but then that actually takes away from <laughs> the rest of the show. So uh, Austin major podcast at gmail.com ping me on all of the channels, DM us on Instagram. Let us know what you think of that. Um, and we'll, We'll play around with it. I think that this, this is the year, this is the very third year of Austin danger podcast. So we'll be playing around a little bit. Um, I do want to also note that the Staney's awards, the ballot's still out. Yes. We are still at a point where like one vote could change the world. Really? Like we mean it vote in the second annual Austin's you have until March 6th. Peace and love a warning from us. <laughs> Kev, we got to talk about this movie. I'm warning you with peace and love. Speaking of warnings sent with peace and love of bad tidings in the future. Kenzo, it's time to talk about Steven Spielberg's Minority Report. In 2054, the federal government plans to roll out pre-crime police programs nationally, in which cops rely on psychic humans to predict premeditated murders, where the police analyze their visions and stop the crimes before they can occur. 
Pre-crime chief John Anderton is a gifted police officer who struggles from depression and drug addiction following the abduction and presumed murder of his young son years ago. It also led to his wife Laura leaving him. John's life gets harder when Department of Justice twink Danny Whitwer arrives to audit the pre-crime division and find the error in it. When John notes that the program is perfect, Danny agrees, saying the only error that he will be able to find is human, and he intends to root it out. Shortly after in The Temple, one of the precogs abruptly awakens when John shows interest and shows him a flashback of a murder of a woman named Anne Lively. When John pokes around the records, he finds no file of the murder case and learns that Anne went missing shortly after her murder was prevented. On John's next analysis, the precogs predict that he will murder a man named Leo Crow. John doesn't recognize this man and is terrified to see himself in a precog's vision, immediately going on the run as his entire division will be hunting him down for arrest. The citywide manhunt begins. While on the run, John finds Dr. Iris Heinemann, geneticist whose research led to the creation of pre-crime. He learns that the precog abilities are the result of the parent's addiction to an early impure form of a drug called neuroin, and the drug John uses as well. She notes that sometimes the precogs see a different vision than others, leading to what's referred to as a minority report, but that these are purged from the system as it hides the flaws in the program. Dr. Iris notes that if there is an alternative future for him, Agatha, the strongest of the precogs, will be the one to see it for him. After evading multiple capture at God, this movie's there's a lot going on. After evading multiple capture, after evading multiple capture attempts from his old squad and receiving eye transplant surgery to avoid the retinal scanners that cover the city, John returns to the temple and kidnaps Agatha, effectively shutting down the group mind on which the program depends. With the assistance of a hacker, John is able to access the vision of Anne's murder fully without it being deleted. After that, he uses Agatha to find Leo Crow, the man he's meant to kill. Agatha implores to him that he has a choice, but John wants to know why he was destined to kill this man he never met. When they arrive in Leo's bedroom, they find photos of numerous children, including John's son, Sean. John beats Leo and threatens to kill him, but at the last moment chooses not to. Leo begs him to kill him, saying his family won't get the money if he doesn't. John questions this and realizes he's been set up. In order to secure his family's comfort, Crow kills himself. Tipped off by John, Danny looks into Anne's murder and finds the discrepancies that suggest what the pre-crime officers stopped was an initial setup, and that someone who had access to the visions could have recreated the murder exactly the same, succeed in killing Anne, and the technicians would assume it's an echo, a repeat vision that occasionally happens. He presents these findings to Lamar Burgess, the director of pre-crime and John's mentor, who shoots him in order to cover up his crime. Dun, dun, dun. Act three, Burgess is able to find and arrest John, but before an event is poised to honor pre-crime and his contributions, John's ex-wife, Lara, asks about Anne, saying that John was asking Agatha about her before his arrest. Burgess accidentally lets the cause of death slip, which Lara did not mention, and it pings her to Burgess's guilt. Laura breaks John out of jail and together they use Agatha's vision to expose Burgess's crime to the masses and provoke him to kill John. A crime of passion report comes in. Burgess is destined to kill John. As the two men face down, John points out that if Burgess spares him, pre-crime is discredited. And if he kills him, he goes to prison. Burgess asks for forgiveness and kills himself. Which, we'll talk about it. The film ends with John and Laura reconciled, expecting a second child. Pre-crime is abandoned and the prisoners are pardoned on parole. The precogs are moved and allowed to live their lives in peace. John managed to change his fate, effectively living out his minority report. 
Well, it didn't seem that complicated watching. I'm out of breath, but wow. also trying to find a way to end a sentence, like a synopsis with the words minority report was kind of hard. Big ups for you on that. It's U and H neck and neck in the mastery of this game. <laughs> I did get it from him. I feel like I adopted that from, from, from escape hatch for sure. So uh, I saw this movie on my Spielberg blank check journey. So I had never seen it before, like being an adult. Kenzo, had you seen it at all? No, I'd seen the poster many, many times. Sure. And I think I made assumptions about what it was. Like had no idea it was sci-fi until like very recently <laughs> as up to like last week. I would heard the name a lot. Like, I don't think I ever associated it with Steven Spielberg growing up. I don't think that's a movie I associated with him. So I had no idea he directed it for quite some time. And then, you know, now with the knowledge of AI, more of the worlds, like it, this era makes more sense. Now I understand, yeah, this is totally a Spielberg movie. But when I was younger, I didn't really, I don't know. I heard the name of the movie. I saw the poster and then I didn't really engage with it further. Um, yeah. Yeah. This movie came out deep in my uh, Spider-Man 2 era. No, no, mm-hmm. no. This is like, this is like my Austin Powers era where like I wasn't interested <gasps> in this. Like. I wasn't yeah. going to the movies to see this. I was going to the movies to see Monsters, Inc. Yes. Right. Like same. I, I wasn't interested in adult movies of any kind. Right. Like adult movies to me were like, I was watching the Oscars for the first time, like fully mm-hmm. and seeing like Gosford Park, which we've done on this show. It's like, that's yeah. like, I don't know. These are grown up movies. They're inscrutable to me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy I waited. I'll say that for a couple of reasons. Can I come right out and say it? <laughs> this movie rips. <laughs> this movie fucking rips. Can I uh, dox the, the DMs? Yes, 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 yes. This is from Mackenzo earlier today. Mm-hmm. My opinions tonight will be hot, positive. <laughs> positive in parentheses. This is not a zoo. Yeah. Okay, this is mm-hmm, a structured mm-hmm. sentence. Mm-hmm. If Jaws didn't exist, I'd be saying a very crazy thing. <laughs> Kenzo. Yeah. yeah was yeah, the yeah, crazy yeah. thing, this might be my new favorite Spielberg? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. How amazing is this movie, right? This movie rocks. I mean, you know, we've talked about it on our other Spielberg episodes, like, I love Jaws so much. I forgot sure. to say Jurassic Park is also included in that. Jurassic well, Park, I think, is an incredible film. But every other one I watch by him, I'm like just okay on slash don't like. And I'm like, do I actually like Spielberg or do I think I'm supposed to like Spielberg? That's right. That's how I've been feeling. I'm like, do I just feel like I'm supposed to like him? So that's why I feel like I have to. And I thought AI was the nail in the coffin forever. I thought this is it. Fuck. I just, I can't, I can't get into Spielberg. And I got nervous when I saw this, I said, Oh no, 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 no. The thing is that like the world, the world is in kind of, it's not a fairy tale, right? This is played conventional. Like it's when we do the fugitive, you'll see it's quite similar. It's like a conventional action thriller, but he's still using the bright lights to mask the green screen in the exact same way. And the world although not the same, obviously looks very familiar in spots. Yes. I, I like you're saying it. So I'm going to just put it out there. That's my one like negative with the film is 
I talked about it a lot in AI, hated the way that looked generally. Um, you did, yeah. And I felt the same with Minority Report. Like, I will talk about why the performances and the mystery and the story elevated it past AI for me. I fucking loved the story. I thought the mystery Hell was yeah. amazing and gripping, and I loved the performances. You know, my thing with Tom Cruise, where like, I'm like, I don't care about him, and then everything I see him, and he's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, Where's like it's slim. Where is Slim? Um, he's, I mean, Tom Cruise, can can he do a bad performance? I don't know. I haven't seen it. But um, I can't wait for you to see Vanilla Sky, dude. <laughs> I cannot wait. But, but I still, like, fucking, yeah, I hate the way Spielberg's, like, future looks. Like, I, I just, I, I, I think it's so ugly. And, like, it's, it, there's points where it doesn't distract me, but there's points where it does. And I'm realizing, like, obviously I'm getting Blade Runner vibes from this, right? Because, um it was you know similar writer originally right philip day why did i say that word that way but with, philip, with philip, day kick. Dick, philip day kick um and so I'm, I'm thematically i'm feeling this blade runner energy and i'm like desperately wish this movie looked like blade runner i'm like i wish it felt more like gritty and lived in and interesting as opposed to just like smooth and pale and like glowy so you feel like you're in a sauna like i just that's my big pet peeve i think with this these with both of the films is I just, I hate the way Spielberg films the future. That's the one downside of this movie to me. I think it fit AI because it's a fairy tale, but I don't think it works in the gritty thriller of like minority report. No. And I, I will say also it, it hurts because so much of this movie is so prescient, right? Philip mm-hmm. K. Dick uh, has a lot of timeless stories that have become timeless films. Blade Runner, Total Recall, a scanner darkly. And then the reason that they're timeless is because now this is why I'm glad I waited. You can come back to it and be like, Oh my God. Like that's how you control the vision pro <laughs> the Apple headset. Like that's yeah. this finger thing. Like that's kind of how you control that. This world is coming true. I joked in my letterboxd review about the see-through monitors being a bad idea. And then a friend of the show and, and dear friend of Austin nation, uh, Mosh, was like LG was at the consumer electronics show this year showing that exact product, a transparent monitor that can show stuff just like minority report. And and by the way, for context, like tech companies have consciously been chasing that exact user interface for this entire, like since the movie came out. So um, none of it's a coincidence, but how incredibly prescient up against this again, like glowy vision. I agree with you that I don't agree. And it is the one thing I don't really like about the movie is like, it could have used a lot less glare. Yeah, I totally agree. So that's my big, my big negative is just that. Like, I just, I wish it looked different. There were so many times where I was like, fuck, if this just looked different, it would be so much more dynamic and it would be such a perfect movie. But again, I liked so much in it. I, can I be real? I, I ended up getting, I was trying to watch this movie down to the wire i was trying to get work done while i was watching this movie i ended up making dinner valentine's dinner while watching this movie i did not watch this movie with let's say the undivided attention i would have maybe liked to but i still was drawn the fuck in i was still like locked in didn't want to pause the pacing felt so great like you know how i felt like i said ai felt like it was like a fucking million years long like i felt like i was gonna like die of old age watching ai you did this wow. <laughs> this boom 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 baby it was rolling and shaking and i yeah i i loved it i really did i couldn't believe that like i was so distracted and the movie still really drew me in 
where should we go from there? You know, it's funny, Tom, Tom, mm-hmm. let's get back to Tom. One of our Tom-o. big themes of the show. You even used him as the major clue to get me to guess this movie last week. Yes. Um, the last time, when did we last see Tom? Do you remember? Surely not Jerry Maguire, right? No, 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 no. It's been sooner than that. Magnolia. Yes. Oh my God. I forgot we did. Mag- you know, Magnolia is one like Shantan is obsessed with that movie. So it came up a lot lately in chat and like fucking, I forgot we did Magnolia. Oh my God. Can I tell you one of my, it's my birthday. So I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. One of the all time great McKinzo editing moments oh my is God. my final needle drop in the Magnolia episode. Is of it, Save Me really is good. one of the greatest needle drops I've ever done in my life <laughs> in podcast editing. I it's if you did not listen to the Magnolia episode, please just go listen to the end of the conversation of Magnolia and listen to that needle drop, please. It's very good. This is I feel bad now for saying I forgot we did it, but when you do a hundred <laughs> of these, you no, forget. Y- yeah, yo, if you ask me, like our fifteenth episode, couldn't tell you. Nope. Yo, this cast. I mean, yeah, Tom is incredible. <laughs> Tom yeah, is incredible. So Tom. Yeah, he's incredible. He immediately there was like a moment immediately the um oh it was the <laughs> okay so it was when he was watching the home video of him at the kid at the pool and like oh you mean the Vision Pro spatial video memory yeah and I I wrote Miranda Priestly voice oh Spielberg having a sad dab with a dead kid how original like making fun of it immediately. <laughs> And then I was yeah. like, but Tom fucking sells it. Tom's yeah. fucking sells it in a way that I don't know if uh, if lesser actors could genuinely. And that's what he, he got me immediately in a, in a moment I made fun of two seconds prior. I was like, oh, this motherfucker. He always gets me. Tom always gets me. I I will give Tom one note. Tell me. The... I'll deliver it hand, with a handwritten letter. Oh, God, please don't. The minority report where he says. <laughs> I'll hand him the minority good. report. <laughs> in the minority (laughs) report in the video when he says goodbye crow Mm -hmm. that sounds so silly and it's played it's the plot of the movie is this clip so you hear it a hundred times and like steve tom that's the best you got goodbye crow very mission impossible two of tom to go with that read personally can i tell you another random note and again this isn't like a huge downer on the on the movie as a whole but another kind of like semi-negative i had yeah in the like car hopping scene that cool like set piece i had the thought where i was like because so the other day i have like samsung tv that automatically will just play a movie sometimes when you turn the tv on t2 was playing and it was in the middle it was in the middle of the scene where he goes through the the gate and they chase down the hallway in the hospital and i watched that and i went fuck man remember how t2 has the greatest like set piece action sequences ever and i was kind of missing that energy in this in like certain of the like i I don't know if i love spielberg as a um action beat director as much in this as like that's interesting like i i was sitting here being like i wish this felt more like t2 like i wish jimmy was in here directing these portions i don't know some of them were, were exciting but like i've seen spielberg do better in things like jurassic park right or even jaws which you know, it's totally very mishmashy, but like, I don't know. I- I've seen Spielberg do it better. And I kind of, I, I, and I think maybe sometimes it was like the CGI was maybe a little distracting in some of these action beats. I, I- I'm not sure. I, again, not a huge detriment, but just something, I-, I don't know. I was, I was yearning for a little more in some of those beats. I appreciated that he kept it varied at least. 
Yeah, for sure. Like, there are some things that came off as quite silly. The car the, climbing, the climbing of the yeah. sideways cars felt, listen, I understand the beat and why you would do that and all that. It felt cartoony in like the, the even, even by the standards of The Fugitive, which this movie is very similar to, mm. um, which we will one day cover on the show. Very excited. If you liked this, you're going to love that. It's great. Um, that, that movie also has ridiculous beats. So I feel weird to critique it like that. And they kind of worked for me. Like there were some scenes where they just seemed to go on and on sometimes. And uh, I was like, my God, just break something. Even though like by the time I got there, which this is kind of a hot take, like the second half of the big Oracle speech with the, like the plants, the plants Mm. are nipping. I was like, this is quite long. I know that's kind of a hot take and I actually like the scenes and I like the lore and I like learning it. Um, but I, I just, I, do you feel like this movie is too long? You know, I was worried it would feel that way, but I also don't know what I would cut. Can I be real? Yes. Like I kind of like I, the patience it takes and I like the lore and I like the scenes and I like that. Like when you think it's over, it's not like it, like the length kind of, I thought I would get annoyed by it, but it kind of worked for me. Like I honestly am excited to rewatch it. Like I, I, I like I did. I actually didn't feel the length that much. I think it's because this is like the third time I've seen it, maybe. And also, maybe, like, yeah. maybe there were other things going on connected to the rest of my week. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, yeah. Can I tell you about some deep cuts in this cast for for me personally? Let's go. Jessica Harper. Do you know who this is? Uh, name sounds familiar. Uh, I love her. You probably know her as the lead from Suspiria, uh, the original Suspiria. But I know her oh. as um, Janet in Shock Treatment, the sequel slash oh equal to Oh, my God. It always comes back to fucking Shock Treatment. Fucking love. You know I love Shock Treatment. It's one of my favorite movies in the entire universe. Um, Shock Treatment. She's also in Phantom of the Paradise, which is another one of my favorite movies oh in the universe. Oh, my God. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. And Ooh, she's in Todd Haynes's safe which is one of the greatest movies of all time no yeah um i'm a huge jessica harper fan so when i saw her in the cast list i was like are you fucking kidding me huge massive jessica harper fan deep cut for oh kenzo another deep cut is there are two actors from desperate housewives in this cast which is so funny to me lois smith who um she plays like one of the husband's his mom who's like an overbearing mother-in-law um Lois Smith has been in many, many things obviously she's a huge legend but i am like i i think of her like at this age in in desperate housewives pretty much because and, and yeah but she's incredible i mean god look at her she was in ladybird i forgot and she was in french dispatch oh my god lois Lois is a queen. Anyway, amazing. And then another Neil McDonough was also in Desperate Housewives as yeah. a, the villain of season five or six. Like he's the main villain. And he's that dude. He refuses to kiss other women for his job. He like won't kiss women. And so he on Desperate Housewives, they marry him to Edie, who is the horniest character on the lane. She's the most sexed up character. And they the actor they cast is the guy who won't like kiss another woman on screen. And it's so tonally weird because the slutty character is with this like 
like never nude they, who like won't touch her it's so weird like anyway that's a deep kenzo cut i need everyone to know that neil mcdonough's a freak and uh and he's on desperate housewives and he looks like a murderer to me he's he has the scariest vibes on earth to me jesus neil mcdonough if you're listening i'm very sorry but you have scary vibes oh that guy oh my god yeah. yes absolutely this guy jesus yes they always the cut to him whenever whenever you need somebody who's very sure about committing extreme murder they cut to this guy's like squinted eyes yeah. <laughs> oh yes but can I, okay also but like samantha morton and colin farrell max von Sydow, fucking icon of ingmar bergman cinema in this damn movie what the fuck kev what the fuck yeah this cast is crazy. crazy yeah this cast is crazy and Peter Stormare is the wacky doctor. Yes, Peter Stormare is here. The guy who's the fucking, the, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? He's the warden, the warden guy. Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, the legend. If we get, if we get, oh brother, where art thou in this year? Tim Blake Nelson is, ooh, on yes. the short list, baby. On the short list. baby. What a weird, what a weird group of legends oh. we'll have. Also, another deep cut, Jessica Capshaw, who I know as Arizona from Grey's Anatomy. She's the blonde woman who randomly is in the helicopter all the time. Who's just like, yeah, he's in there. She's that woman. She's on Grey's Anatomy. She dates Calliope. Callie. And then they break them up and it's really annoying. Anyway, I fell off of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Kev- boy. <laughs> What's something else you love about this movie? Um... Let's see. I love the prescience. I love how real the world, like, again, that kind of got at this earlier, but thinking about how little we've come really like, or how far we've Mm -hmm. come, I guess, like basically to figuring out a lot of the far out things in minority report. Um, It blew my mind to see the Apple vision control the same way that Tom Cruise's little minority report computer controls or things like, uh, I don't know, like shop okay the other thing is that shopping malls and bedrooms and other things are the same right they have that amazing chase through like the neighborhood mm-hmm. and they go through that guy's apartment and the kids like on the bed like practicing alto sax for concert i love that a lot of things in the world haven't changed that much because it hasn't like it hasn't been that long the only th- problem is i think the infrastructure is not they're not going to change a damn thing about any of the infrastructure in the world ever much less in the nation's capital. No offense. Um, I just, I'm not confident that any city could get infrastructure up for sideways cars in 20 years or 40 no. years from then. That's the thing is I'm like, why would you choose 2054 a relatively like soonish time? Like why not choose like 2394? Like why, why does it have to be so soon to where we, like you and I are going to live to see that year? Why would they make a movie set then? That's just, confusing. well, I think that's kind of the whole point, right? Is that it could happen in our lifetime. Think about this movie came out in the summer of 2002. And so it was mostly produced pre nine 11. Um, but then there why have been do you things, think... right? I joke about the war criminal, but they expanded the rights of the NSA and the government to spy on American citizens who are innocent. Okay. Um, things like Minority Report, in order to prevent terrorism and presumably other crime, like, 
oh my God, it kind of came a little true, except instead of having magicians that live in a puddle, <laughs> they're just spying on you. Directly spying on you. So and they can do it. It's legal. If the if the point is like okay. this happens in our if the point is like this happens in our lifetime, then why do they choose like cops to still be around? And like radio, I saw someone else mention Radio Shack. Like, why have they decided that these are the things that will still exist? Well, there's other things, right? Like they didn't even think about an iPhone. No. iPhone came out of nowhere and changed everything in our entire world and how we perceive technology. Like the whole thing is now changed. They got a lot more right than wrong. I give them points for that. But no one has got an iPhone or a tablet quite like. Or maybe they do. I don't even remember. But like, you know what I mean? Like I didn't know. No one knew. How could you have known? When this movie was made, the iMac was like a success and the iPod was like barely out, if at all. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are things they just couldn't predict. Like, hey, listen, in 1999, Radio Shack's going to be around forever. Because <laughs> you'll always need it, right? For your home phone. Whoopsie-daisy. Um, even the things, you know, what really disturbed me and we'll mm. get into popcorn after this. He goes into the mall and they recognize his retinal scan and the ads start to cater to him by yes. name. Yes. Yes. Which that I've gotten before in my email. I hate it. And I, I wonder if it. spam email existed to put that idea in their heads. Like, I can't believe they got that right. Not that yeah. they exist in the real world just yet, but like. You engage so much with the phone. Now, they didn't know that then, but hear me out. Like, you engage so much with the phone, you might as well be walking into a mall and hearing a billboard scream your name. It's fucked up. Although, I don't know. My ads are pretty stupid. I see, a, I go see a play. I get ads for it for six months and not <laughs> yes. even see it again. How do you not know? You're linked to my Gmail. They're selling you my data, bro. <laughs> Kenzo, do you want to pop some corn? Let's pop some corn. Do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Go for it. I've been talking a lot. Uh, the twink from the Fed, obviously oh, a great Jesus line. Christ. Them using wow. them using twink multiple times within the first ten minutes of this movie made me laugh my ass off. Uh, I said, "Yo, do movies still do this where they launch into the action immediately and force you to catch up? Is that gone? I was going to say that. Now? I I actually really liked it here. I thought I that they gave it. you just enough information, loved especially it. because they repeat that information like four more times in act one. So if you don't, by the time it's time to get Agatha out of there, if you're not with it, how? Yeah. It's awesome. They told it's you awesome. everything like the precogs, they could tell crime. They live in a puddle. They have to be the, tw- the twins are less powerful. It has to be the woman. Take the woman. Like, even if you, even if you hate science fiction, it all it all makes sense and they explain it to you so many times like and you don't even feel like it's being lectured at you yes thank you this is one of my biggest pieces of popcorn so i'm happy you called it out i love it i also love the themes like this idea of like how can you arrest people who haven't committed murder like you're taking away this idea of free will and that free will and and change can happen but then also this idea of like science versus faith people recognizing the precogs as deities like I just thought it was kind of cool. I just liked the thematic elements of the film. Uh, I didn't even take notes during the entire eye swapping sequence. Like what a wild sequence. No, like, no. Him doing the rotten food and milk and then the fucking 
spider like, crazy okay why did he have to did we need that part because if he didn't get his eyes changed the the, the cops would be able to track him with the red muscles. no 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 yes i get that much but oh. did we need to have him go drink the rotten milk he was already in enough trouble right like did we need the rotten milk that's I, my biggest note of this i thing. have no idea i don't know why he touched a sandwich that clearly had wrapping on it and didn't just be like, oh, this is a fresh sandwich. I like his his choices in that sequence were were hard. I Don't fast forward smell... through a lot of that because of the eye stuff. But then the like, I was like, oh, okay, we're free of the eye stuff, and then it's right into rotten milk. I was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Also, him chasing his eyes down the fucking hallway, his eyeball, his yes, eyeballs that, just ping that was ponging so down funny, the damn though. hallway. I couldn't that even was believe so, it. Like, it was but the thing is, though, is that shit like, we're watching right now exactly in a world where there are retinal scans this is something like th- like i had a weird thought at this time when that happened i was like oh well i guess that's a problem when you're a <laughs> eyeball criminal is that sometimes you'll <laughs> lose an eye down the hallway <laughs> I, what was the point of the old man face thing making his face dr- i didn't understand what the point of that was a facial scan in oh. the police department oh okay right uh maybe i don't know i could i I could i wasn't tracking that i was like what's happening the weird sex thing was uh abrupt and it reminded me a lot of tw- cyberpunk t- 4077 or whatever the fucking game jesus yeah we're back in ai where for yeah. some reason we needed to go to the porno store yeah it was very very sexual i was like mm, okay love the shot of john and agatha that's like persona it's like the shot in persona do you know what i'm talking about yes that's uh great. stunning that's Stunning. When Morton was doing the like monologue about Sean, I realized this is just heavy rain. You know that video game? Sean! 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 And about a, a dad, Jesus. you know? You and I, you and I should do a because... let's play of heavy rain. Yo, one time me and Ned got super high and I watched him play the whole thing. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, so I just was like, wow, Minority Report is heavy rain. Because, you know, dad gets, kid gets taken, the life gets ruined, all that stuff. I never finished it, but I watched a legendary Let's Play. Uh, I'm not even going to name the channel. If you know, you know. It is the legendary uh, Heavy Rain playthrough. It's incredible. Whoa. Uh, I thought the twist was awesome. The twist that it was a setup. Yeah. But then into the twist that it's not Colin. Because I immediately was like, Colin totally set him up because he wanted to find the human error. It's totally him. And then the fucking twist that it's Max von Sydow. And then the twists on the twist of like who it was, how he did it, who her mom is. I was I was shitting my pants. I was like, this fucking <laughs> rocks. This fucking rocks, Kev. Yeah, um, it's the best. The the technician almost kissing Agatha. I said, "You will die by my hand." Um, him blowing his own shit up. Oh, what? Oh, Max von Sydow like accidentally showing his hand with the drowning comment. I thought that was great, and I loved that the precogs got a happy ending. That was my last note. I also had a heavy rain thought, and I forgot about it until right now. Sean, oh tell God, me your so popped corn. Uh, first popcorn is one that like, I, I wasn't sure how many notes I was going to take about this one. Cause it is such like very popcorn film. Um, but I had to dive for my phone to write that this is one of the movies where the DreamWorks theme plays throughout the whole logo, which mm-hmm. was very rare. Like during this early two thousands period, wasn't that rare, but it's like almost non-existent today. That's how, you know, the real shit's going down is if you hear the little guitar. 
Uh, my second note is imagine getting a red ball from the precogs that just reads chairman of the board. <laughs> we need them to uh, to spin the wheel. Yes. Um, imagine getting cucked and then right when you're about to stand up for yourself, Tom Cruise disarms you immediately and then like 12 SWAT guys come through the ceiling. Crazy. I I hate to say it, you know, but sometimes... just jump out the window (laughs) you're done dude it's over (laughs) jesus imagine coming back from that like like i know i'm gonna show him and then you're stopped by like the most handsome man in the world and then (laughs) 10 strong men and you're cuckold dude what a life (laughs) and what a what a great way by the way what a captivating way to introduce you into the system you feel right Mm -hmm. in it man like if you're paying attention like you're open to it processing it it's great. You feel right in it. And then like you appreciate the recaps. Yeah. Um, the dialogue. Oh, the dialogue of the couple. For some reason, I also noted that uh, the bed is soft. I'm soft. Mother, mother of God. I don't want to be uh, in the bed. Why does she want to be in the bed? Like what's going on there, girl? Well, you know why? You know what that's about? You know what that's about? That's it's a power thing. Um, I also wrote uh, what this movie could have been three years later, like trying mm. to think about it was prescient enough before, but like in a Patriot Act era, like in second term Bush, basically what I'm asking for is like, what if this came out at the same time as Southland Tales? Oh, yeah. Um, love the eyeless man. Love I'm home as the smart home. Another very prescient thing comes to life. Mm hmm. Um, a lot of Apple Vision Pro features in here where the creepy memory of the wife on video, that's mm-hmm. something you can do. And it doesn't, I have to say, Tom is doing a better job of selling it than Apple is, although mm. Apple has kind of tainted it back a little bit. There's some backwash on there. Um, the whole precog concept is pretty sad. Yes, it's very sad. <laughs> the they're being, they're being abused. And, yeah really sad that's pretty much all i have about that here i laughed when tom ended up in the wacky yoga pose i had a roller coaster of a ride with this film i love the gun that kicks people back 10 feet i love how this isn't a very subtle thing but it's very real there are no real workers in the auto factory it's just moving on its own because of course they would save money by firing as many people as possible like that's so like he's not even thinking about it um attacked by robot spiders during sex is there anything worse (laughs) love tom in the bathtub the last note i have here is that when the cops check the time 51 minutes left it does almost feel like that long in the movie and i think more movies need to be the remit like the timer on movies need to be that length again please Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that's the mm -hmm. coolest thing yeah when someone's like, there's 20 minutes left. <laughs> it's the best. I love it. That is my popped corn. Listen, this is a biggie. I'm champing at the bit. Kenzo, I got to hear your final thoughts and your star rating. I will be brief, okay? Uh, I know we're hitting up on a longie, so I will be very brief. I think this movie oh, yeah. fucking rips. I definitely think uh, right after Jaws and Jurassic Park, this is my next favorite Spielberg. Absolutely. I fucking loved this movie. Oh, shit. I 
do hate the way it looks to like a large amount to the point where Ooh, it keeps the garbage it from can. yeah it makes it it's it, it's not a five bang for me quite yet i i just i yearn for it to be different so 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 much i liked it a lot i i just wanted it to look different so i'm at four stars big fat heart fucking loved it that's amazing yeah that's great it rocked i loved it kev tell me yours all that soft stuff doesn't bother me very much. So it's an easy five bang. Hell yeah. Um, I did not keep this a secret. It is a classic for me. Uh, gets better every time. And gets truer every time. Defund the police. Boom. Oh, also, George Bush, the war criminal, was president when this movie came out. And don't think I forgot to say that because I didn't. <laughs> Kev, let's do our little show. I love go. So at the 2003 Academy Awards, which I think was the year, ooh, that was the year of Chicago in Best Picture, which is oh, like the first fuck. year I really yes. paid attention. Yeah, it was tight. The hours. When are we going to do the wow. hours, man? It seems Christ. like a very us film without <laughs> seeing a frame of it. It seems very us. <laughs> oh my God. That's a hilarious um, statement for people who have seen it. This is the year that Chris Cooper won Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Adaptation. A um, really amazing performance. Also the year Kathy Bates Nude was nominated. Yeah, that's correct. Really fantastic performance by Kathy Bates in About Schmidt, the Alexander Payne film. Uh, I'm not seeing a lot of Minority Report. <laughs> Talk they were to only her. Nominated. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were only nominated in sound editing. Wow. And they lost to uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So no surprise. There you go. John Williams won the BFI Film Music Award in 2003 for his work. The Bogey Awards in Germany, it was awarded. I think that's a good thing. I'm going with that being a good thing. At the Critics' Choice Awards, Steven Spielberg won Best Director, splitting between this and really one of what I think is going to be one of our all-time episodes, Catch Me If You Can. Ooh. Uh, John Williams, that's right. John Williams won for Best Composer, split between this, Catch Me If You Can, and Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, a film we may never cover for free. <laughs> um, in the French version of the Oscars, the César Awards, this was nominated for Best Foreign Film. So nice. Good job, Stéphane Spielberg. <laughs> um, Bowling for Columbine won, which... A wacky portrait of a wild time. Oh, wow. There's a whole bunch of other things here, but I do want to touch on some favorites. MTV Movie and TV Awards, The Escape, was nominated for Best Action Sequence. And uh, There's 50 finally... of those, but okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, The Escape. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, the, of escape. the million that are in this film. And the last thing I want to call out, Steven Spielberg nominated for Best Director at the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards. Lost to Ooh, Roman Polanski for The Pianist. Ooh, Grody. Ooh. All right, very quickly, womp, it's time womp. for the Alan Parsons Project. Yeah, womp womp, moving on. It's time for the <laughs> Alan Parsons Project, our segment where we tie the movie of the week into the Austin Powers trilogy. Obviously, the biggest links are the star Tom Cruise, who portrayed Austin Powers in Austin Pussy in Austin Powers and Goldmember, and Steven Spielberg, who was the director of said Austin Pussy in Goldmember, but also, wow. uh, of course, uh, Keith Campbell in stunts, Pat Romano in stunts, Malcolm McNabb, 
like there are so many legends throughout the 75 plus links, if you can believe it. And we love you all. I'm just shouting out the names of familiar people. Gary Burrett in the editorial department. A lot of regular Spielberg collaborators who will link us around. There's just so many. I, I also workshopping. I'm also looking for workshopping. Like, do people care enough about the links for us to like post the list or highlights on our Letterboxd HQ? Is that something you would want? Again, ping me. Let us know. Thinking about it. Um, the last name I'll call out. Oop, almost forgot. Uh, Luis de Tulio. So <gasps> shout out. We can't forget Luis. We can't forget the legend. The ledge. There you are. You are over there. There are no yous over there, but you know the drill. Austin Danger Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your letters. Send us your voicemails about Stephen, about Tom, about Minority Report, about whatever we're watching next week. And don't forget to vote in the Austins, which you can find on our social media. Stanies forever, baby. And in the show notes of this very podcast. You can just go click a little link and boom, boom, boom. You're there. Stan it up. Kev. This is your time. Get that wheel out. Kenzo, we are returning to the filmography of one of our most covered actors. If you were to take all of our films and put them through Letterboxd's algorithm, there is an actor we have covered many times on this podcast. Really? Uh, is it Mike Myers? Um, we are returning to Hill's filmography. It is not Mike Myers. This actor was not in the Austin Powers films. Should have specified that. Who the fuck could it be then? Okay, let me rephrase it. We are returning to a director we have already been to twice. This is our third film by this director. He directed a franchise we'll be covering in its entirety. Perhaps that helps. No, I don't know where we're going. Okay, let me put this an additional way. If my memory serves me correctly, next week on Austin Danger Podcast is the Austin Danger Podcast's return of Will Smith. <gasps> Fuck. Uh, <sighs> I was like, this is couldn't it, possibly I'm be his debut. I'm trying to think of a debut. director. Is it... I'm going to walk you to it. I'm going to walk you to it. You ready? I was like, it couldn't possibly, man, it couldn't possibly be his debut because we covered Men in Black, which was directed <gasps> by Barry Sonnenfeld, the director oh, of this yes. film. Yes, yes. Folks, the movie is 1999's Wild Wild West. That actor <gasps> we're returning to, of course, is Kenneth Branagh as the villain. This film, let me tell you, boys, I've never seen this film, kids. And this is um, one of the most expensive films ever made and one of the largest flops. It won five Golden Raspberry Awards or Razzies at the 20th Annual Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture and Worst Original Song. So strap yourselves in and and please don't be afraid of the giant metal spider. My jaw is dropped. Um, I found an article called The Inside Story of How Wild Wild West Spun Out of Control, and I will be bookmarking it. Yeah, we'll talk about the whole thing. We'll probably talk, you know, Mackenzie, I should also tell people, like, go watch go watch Kevin Smith's Superman, like, uh, his speech. We'll link it in the show notes. Mackenzie, I'll be sure to send that to you. Um, Kevin Smith was going to do a Superman movie in the mid-90s. Um, it's the Tim Burton, Nicolas Cage. It turned into Tim Burton, Nicolas Cage, and they abandoned it. But um, Kevin Smith was going to do a Superman movie, and how that ties into Wild Wild West, I'll allow him to tell you that. Um, it's an amazing story. We'll talk about it next week. 
I'm so excited. I've never seen this film. It's a huge turkey. But until then, for Mackenzie, this is Kev. Awesome Danger Podcast. Peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening. Thank you.